This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. Today is Wednesday, May 11th. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. Well, at the speed of light, my week on Amelia Island came and went in a flash. But might I add, what a fabulous week it was. Great weather, incredible shopping, fabulous restaurants, and a second week would have been okay fine with me, but there's simply too much to do to take any more time off right now. A fact for which, too, I am eternally grateful. I hope you enjoyed last week's conversation with Bright Star's Pete First. This guy's loaded with wisdom and passion for making a difference. Pete shared a lot, and I'll put him into the top quartile for take-home value. So, if you've yet to do so, download the episode and give it a listen. I promise it will be time well spent. Today's conversation is with Greg Cook. Many of you know Greg's name and associate him with his 10 years at the IFA, running all things to do with marketing. Well, today Greg has parlayed all of that experience and more, and is heading up Silvercrest, Advertising, Technology, and Marketing, as President and CEO. Among our topics of conversation today are just how much the lines have fuzzed between the disciplines of marketing and technology. The two in this post-COVID world have become even more tightly woven together, and will quite likely become even more interwoven in the years ahead. I'll be back in two minutes or less to kick off a great conversation with my good friend, Greg Cook. But first, this word from Atmosphere TV. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. Hey, franchisors of restaurants, bars, grills, and taverns, and multi-unit franchisees, listen up. This message is for you. Atmosphere TV wants to help you cut costs on overpriced cable TV for your business and either replace it completely or partially if sports programming is essential at your locations. What Atmosphere TV provides are 100% free programming options with more than 50 channels of highly engaging and entertaining programming that is audio optional and guaranteed to please your customers and even increase their average ticket per visit. So here's how it works. Atmosphere hooks you up with an Apple TV HD receiver loaded with more than 50 channels of fully licensed, no cost to you, fun and lifestyle programming. These channels include Chive and Red Bull TV. TV, bloopers, superhuman feats, and an array of viewing options that don't require sound to be enjoyed. And this offer is not just limited to restaurants or bars. No, any business with a TV screen in its waiting room can benefit from Atmosphere's free programming offer as well. So what are you waiting for? Cut the cord on overpriced cable and get Atmosphere TV with its 100% free, engaging, and entertaining programming options. Keep your guests happy while they wait to see you. Instead of watching the clock and their wait times, chiropractors, doctors, dentists, auto repair shops, anyone with TVs in your waiting rooms, jump onto this amazing offer today. And if you text the word FRANCHISE to 474747, Atmosphere will waive the $100 setup fee for the Apple TV HD receiver that they'll ship to you as well at no cost. Atmosphere TV, changing the way businesses view television. Find them online at atmosphere.tv and remember it. 
text FRANCHISE to 474747 for the no-charge Apple receiver. Cut the cord and get rid of cable today with Atmosphere TV. Silvercrest was founded in 2011 to fill a growing need for franchisees to access marketing and media efficiently. The agency is dedicated to delivering brand solutions for franchised and multi-unit organizations utilizing a combination of proprietary technology, custom data, marketing needs, and media buying, all harnessed into one sophisticated yet simple platform. As president and CEO, Greg brings some 10 years of marketing experience at the IFA and more than 14 years in the franchising space overall. A certified franchise executive, Greg Cook has a solid understanding of the franchise business model and is intimately familiar with the challenges most brands and their franchisees experience as they expand their businesses locally, regionally, nationally, and yes, globally. Greg Cook, welcome to Franchise Today. Thank you, Stan. It's such a pleasure and an honor to be speaking with you today. I'm, uh, I'm thrilled to, uh, to have a nice long chat with you today. Well, I'm happy to do the same. Been a little bit of change in your life, and we're going to catch up with all of it, Greg. But we'll start the way we do every week by asking you to roll back the tape and tell us what were you doing when franchising found you? Actually, my very first job in high school was working for a franchisee, uh, and that was at Little Caesar's Pizza. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, where I gathered all of my soft skills to propel me uh, into, into my career uh, as a marketing professional. But honestly, I would have never imagined that I would have found franchising as a career after college. So how did franchising find me? Well, it was 2009. I guess I was on my, I think I was on my fourth job after college. I'd had about eight years of marketing and advertising experience. Uh, at the time I was working in DC, Washington DC uh, for a tech, tech company that catered to the wholesale industry. And I don't know if people remember this, but back in the 2000s, there was the eBay power seller. Remember the eBay power seller? I do. That, I, I basically ran four web properties that offered advertising opportunities to wholesale suppliers and our buyers were the eBay power sellers. So it was a, you know, very interesting position. Um, and during those first eight years, I developed relationships with more seasoned marketing professionals uh, and became friends with a guy named Rich Malzone. And Rich actually was a Valpac franchisee or former Valpac franchisee. And he was really familiar with this trade association called the IFA, also known as the International Franchise Association. You know, and so he had actually called me out of the blue. I was so happy in my job. I was doing well, making a good salary at stock options. And he gave me a call and he said, hey, there's an opportunity for a senior director of advertising position at the IFA. And I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, I really think you should put, you know, throw your hat in the ring for this opportunity. And so, you know, trusting Rich and 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 knowing that he he was always looking out for my best interest, I went ahead and, and applied, sent in my resume. Uh, and that's where, you know, my first interview with the IFA was with Scott Lair and John Reynolds, two basically IFA legends uh, and two individuals that would take me under their wing and, and effectively become my mentors. And so after several more interviews with every department head and the staff, and then finally with IFA's president and CEO at the time, Matt Shea, I was offered the position and I quickly accepted it. And so little did I realize that accepting that position with the IFA would change my life forever. And so I'm, I'm really kind of forever debted, indebted to Rich Malzone. Uh, and although he's been retired for many years and lives down south, not too far from where you are, 
uh, we still keep in touch. Well, that's a great story. And how did you know Rich? What was your connection to him? Who was he in your life? Well, I graduated college in 2001. That was right around the dot-com bust and obviously 9-11. There was a recession. There wasn't many avenues to really learn from people in the marketing and advertising industry. And so as I was kind of moving up in the ranks, I would go to different networking events. And just through casual conversation, I connected with him and, and he was running a, a different media company at the time. And we just, it was just someone I looked up to. And I think that's kind of like the essence of what makes franchising so great today is that you find those people within the community that you look up to, they take you under wing, and then they kind of mentor you and show you the ropes. And that's kind of what Rich, no, it's not kind of, that's exactly what Rich was to me early on in my career. This is a, a gentleman who I, I go to for any career advice kind of want to always want to have an outside voice that you know is you know always in your corner that's great that really is great and what you've just described is what I've affectionately described myself as what we do in franchising over the course of our career many of us make moves we move from brand to brand we change shirts but along the way we collect people Oh, yeah. Isn't that the truth? So, you know, I worked, you know, at the IFA for a decade. And the only, the best way I could describe that experience is to equate it to a master's course. It's a master's course in franchising. I mean, where else are you going to learn from different leaders of, in a variety of industries? You know, I was afforded the opportunity to better understand how these leaders ran their franchise system and achieved operational excellence. I learned that franchising at its core was just simply a method of business expansion and that each franchise system had its own unique operating procedure. I was afforded the opportunity to, to be a fly on the wall at conferences and attend hundreds of breakout sessions and, and listen to subject matter experts. And then most importantly, I mean, I think this is the essence of franchising. I was able to develop relationships with thousands, and I'm not kidding, I mean thousands of individuals. Many of them have become lifelong friends. I mean, it's a, there, there's not a, a course in academia to give you that type of exposure and experience experience like my my experience that I say was. And through it all, you stayed on a career path that stayed focused and centered on marketing, but you wore several different hats over the course of those years within that marketing discipline. Isn't that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen it inside and out, both from the development to helping my emerging brands put together their advertising plans to the consumer part and, and how do we increase same store sales. It was great for me to uh, learn from a lot of the experts and be able to apply that knowledge and share that knowledge with you know other members of the IFA and I think I think honestly what happens when you're when you're in the franchise space and you're merged like that your DNA changes you know and it's uh you know as a fly fisherman we we talk about you know having the trout bug being bit by the trout bug I was bit bitten by the uh the franchising bug and it's like how how can you get that out of your DNA when it becomes ingrained in you so you were kind of like a lifer you were what one month shy I think of your 10th anniversary at the IFA when you decided to make a move and why don't you bring us yeah. up to date with a little bit of that more recent history, and then we'll get into some more conversation about the world that we both live in in franchising today and, and some of the things that you're seeing, not just pre- and post-COVID, but some of the things that have merged and kind of fuzzed the lines today between marketing and technology, both of which are significant in yours and my life now as well. So come up to date for us first, Greg, and then let's dive into some more of the conversation. Nearly a decade at IFA, I was commuting two and a half hours a day. 
IFA and I loved it. I, I mean, obviously the, the commute was terrible, but being part of IFA and, and everything it stood for meant a lot to me. But I also had a young family at home and I was missing some valuable time with my family. And, and we know that's the one thing you can't buy is time. And so it was a very difficult decision, but I think I'd, I'd done everything that I could at IFA and decided, hey, it's time to make a change. And they were gracious to me as, as I exited and had a difficult decision to make. The difficult decision was this. My success at IFA as a trade association was well known and recognized amongst many other trade associations. And so my particular services were in high demand, but that, that brought me to a crossroad. And the crossroad was this. Do I continue to be a trade association executive and, and go down that path and lose 4,000 contacts and relationships that I'd made in the franchising space? Or do I find another path within franchising that helps me bolster my skill set and then continue on a new trajectory, kind of as a, a civilian, if you will, in the private sector? And so... As I was weighing those options, it became clear that I was going to stay in franchising. That was the best fit for me. Those relationships were too important for me to let go of. And so I had an opportunity to learn an area of franchising and franchising development that was very foreign to me. I was aware of it, but I never understood the inner workings. And as a result, I took a position with the Entrepreneur Source, which is a career coaching franchise. Uh, and so over there, I, I, I assisted in developing both the external franchise development and franchise award recruitment strategies. And I also consulted with approximately 200 brands on how to build a franchise development process, encompassing activities that ranged from, you know, the creation of franchise because uh, referral networks deal with a lot of micro-emerging brands to the sales and marketing efforts behind those franchise offerings. And so when I looked at my franchising experience and specifically franchise to let development marketing tactics, the one blind spot for me was understanding how franchise referral groups work. And so I feel my time at TES was very valuable in gathering a better understanding of how those comp companies operate, but it wasn't necessarily my passion. My passion is helping franchisees and franchisors grow their business through marketing. Perfect. So in April of 2021, I had the opportunity to move over to Silvercrest Advertising and assume the role of president and CEO. Silvercrest Advertising is a technology company that engineers sophisticated marketing and media solutions for franchise brands with our cloud-based proprietary technology, LMAP, which stands for Local Marketing Automation Platform. And so I've been there for, for the last year now. And at Silvercrest, we work with clients of all sizes from emerging to emer mature and established brands. And essentially, we custom engineered design and build great pieces of marketing for them. And it's an amazing opportunity for us to really increase franchisee profitability. And also, obviously, when you increase franchisee profitability, you're increasing franchise or royalty revenue. And so our local marketing automation platform is the only system that basically, it's a very fractured franchising marketing vendor market. There's a lot of different disciplines within marketing, but there's very few companies that can do it all within one portal. And so allowing brands to manage access and deploy their local, their regional, uh, even their national marketing and media needs from one, one platform really gives us a, a competitive advantage. And, and in essence, we don't really have any direct competitors per se, more so more marketing categories. Very interesting, Greg. And we're going to dive into that and more. But why don't we do this? Why don't we take a quick break right here? And then when we come back, let's talk about the world 
post-COVID and how much of the fuzz between marketing and technology has been escalated by, I think, what was already on a fast track anyway with technology. But I really do think that COVID has moved the needle on the speed of those transitions. And I want your opinions and your thoughts on that when we return. We're talking today with Greg Cook, president and CEO of Silvercrest, and we'll be right back. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. We are all familiar with Vistage, YPO, and EO. Well, now comes Zorforum, a somewhat similar type of executive group, but this one comes with a twist. Zorforum groups are exclusively for franchisors. Imagine a peer group for sharing and networking on a platform built exclusively for franchise executives. Zorforum members are afforded unparalleled access to best practices and some of the brightest minds within the franchising world through regular meetings and a dedicated communications platform. In this post-COVID world, a franchise-specific mastermind or peer group is an endeavor worth making time for. Zorforum groups of 6 to 10 will bring leaders together that are in similar situations but with exclusivity in terms of their competitive set so that each can openly help others benefit from their respective knowledge, perspective, and experience with no fear of competitive loss. Network, learn, strategize, and remain motivated along your journey. Join a peer group, not just any peer group. Join the only one designed for emerging franchisors. Join Zorforum. Learn more at Zorforum.com. That's www.Zorforum.com. My conversation continues with Greg Cook, President and CEO at Silvercrest Advertising. So, Greg, as I was kind of alluding to before we went to break, we're in a much different world post-COVID, but I don't think there's any category of massive change that I could point to that has escalated more quickly in the post-COVID world than what we've seen technology do for the past two years. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. I mean, I think it's very difficult to say anything good came out of this pandemic. But if there was a silver lining, I would have to say it's the massive adoption of new technology at the brand level and from how we communicate at the brand level and and how franchisors get the message out to their franchisees. When you look at some of the the brands out there who had to uh, really adapt, improvise, and overcome to continue to operate their businesses, whether it was leaning into applications, curbside pickup, touchless payments, all of this stuff had already been out there and maybe was part of the product roadmap of a brand, but nothing forced their hands more so than, than the pandemic itself to, to adopt those those technologies. What do you see in the world now as we've kind of settled back into a semblance of normal? How does that look today in terms of where technology is going to take us in, in the year or two or three ahead? And can you even see that far ahead in today's post-COVID world? You know, it's very difficult to, to predict what's going to happen two or three years down the road. I mean, one thing that's that's going to remain constant is that there will continue to be change. And I think that's very true, especially in the franchise system. Um, you know, you look at uh, adoptions of new technologies and, and whether or not they'll be relevant down the road, that that's to be determined. I think for what I've been seeing is there's a new approach to embracing these technologies, which when when we look back at, gosh, I, I can remember back in 2011 when I was at the IFA and we had brands that weren't on Twitter. 
they weren't even using social media and they were tasking the IFA to put together social media guidelines and we did and 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 but it was it was one of those things that was kind of eye opening that uh, at the time and kind of historically franchise brands have been slow on the uptick of new technologies and now I get the sense that they're at the forefront, which is great. And it's great for the system. It's great for their franchisees. I think those that continue to adopt new technologies give themselves a unique differentiator when they're looking to position themselves against one of their competitors, especially in a franchise development realm. And it's, you know, it's, it's great to see, but there's things that have remained constant even with technology. And so through me and how I look at things, I always have to look at things through uh, a marketing lens. And so for me, the one thing that has not changed, and, and I think there will be technologies that will assist with this, but one thing has always remained constant at the brand level, and it's a, it's a challenge for them. And I think brand Brand marketing teams continue to struggle with maintaining compliance and brand integrity standards when it comes to local store marketing. And so compliance can be a loaded word in franchising, but without it, there's no point in operating a franchise system. And not only does it protect the franchisor, but it also protects the franchisee's investment. And so for marketing teams, maintaining compliance and brand integrity is critically important, but the enforcement isn't as easy as one would think. What we do know is this, is brand marketing teams struggle to control disclaimers, to lock down territories, to, to minimize exposure across cross-territories, and most importantly, to get transparency into the effectiveness of the marketing tactics at a local and national level. So in terms of compliance, it may sound easy to rule with an iron fist, but it's much more effective to actually put systems in place that remove those roadblocks for franchisees. But I think it's the challenges that marketing teams are facing right now is putting the right systems in place. And so what are the right technologies for your brand? The one thing that's been eye-opening to me is that not only is that a challenge, but there are some brands out there that don't even enforce their minimum monthly spends for local marketing. And there's technologies that they could adopt to basically accomplish that. You know, I marvel at brands that don't protect their brands. I think about the power of marketing and I, I tell a story often or I make an analogy about how many steps would a person have to take in a shopping mall walking across the threshold of a store that had a sign above the threshold that said, say, Neiman Marcus or Lord & Taylor or Saks Fifth Avenue. But the store they were walking into wasn't really one of those iconic brands. It was a Walmart. How mm -hmm. quickly would you know you're not where you thought you wanted to be? Now, that's the power of brand, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. But, but at the local level, I think it's the thing that franchisors do struggle with. And that's always been the case to get franchisees at the local level to A, do the marketing that needs to be done so that you build a brand that has an identity that's universally recognized anywhere you go, as long as you're doing the right things with the brand. So it's a conundrum, isn't it? It certainly is. And I think what happens a lot of times is all brand marketing teams have such great intentions. They want best in class for direct mail. They want best in class for for digital marketing. They want best in class for their email. They want best in class for broadcast or out of home. And then what they do is they go out and get all of these different vendors that are really excellent organizations. So we're not taking anything away from, from 
their capabilities. But effectively what happens is those technologies are then daisy chained together for the franchisee. And what we what we know for sure is franchisees are not natural born marketers. They bought into a system. They want to follow a system. And so when they're left of their own devices to execute marketing in their local trade areas and they have all of these options, they suffer from what I like to refer to as analysis paralysis. So in many instances, franchisees will do the bare minimum or nothing at all. And then when you look to try to execute what we refer to and it's commonly known as an omni-channel campaign that is a campaign that utilizes several tactics deployed in unison, if you're using different vendors, it's very difficult for the franchise brand marketing team or the franchisee to really get and understanding into the impact and the microconversions and the complementing effects that take place by using that, those tactics to drive foot traffic or leads to, to that franchisee. And so if franchisees can't see the results of their marketing efforts, they're going to do the bare minimum. And so it's, it, it becomes a challenge for brands to really kind of remove the handcuffs, if you will, for franchisees, but it can be done. And I think one of the, the key elements to executing effective local store marketing is using a platform that leverages third-party data to understand what's available in that trade area, what media vehicles are available, what's the media consumption of the individuals in that trade area. Can you get any first-party data from sales data that you can overlay and supercharge the results so that you can find pockets of ideal customer personas in your in those franchisees trade areas that you can then start to deliver your marketing message to. And so it's it is a conundrum. <laughs> a long-winded way of saying it, it is a conundrum. But there, the great part is there are solutions out there. There definitely are solutions out there. And it's just looking at what's going to be best for the franchise system and what can the brand teams, the, a lot of times the brand marketing teams are left to to do all of the work on behalf of their franchisees. And that's great to have that kind of concierge service coming from the brand. But what's the impact at the brand level if you have to have all of this human capital executing these marketing initiatives on behalf of the franchisees? How are those individuals going to work on projects that are in alignment with the strategic plan of the brand if they're spending all their day working with franchisees? So we talked about the advent of an identity today that used to be a CMO or a CTO is in many places now a CTMO or CMTO because of the lines fuzzing. But what about old school local marketing? What about doorknob hangers and val packs and coupons and things that were the only way to do your marketing in the pre-Google era, is that still alive or is that just completely gone? That's an excellent question. And those, those type of, of, of marketing tactics have really become, sadly, the what we would think is the, the redheaded stepchild of marketing options available to the brand. The, the long and the short of it is, is when done correctly, those are very effective tactics. And so what do I mean by doing something correctly? Well, I think people historically have done direct mail or Valpacks or things like that very blindly. They're not leveraging data and building propensity models to make sure that every dollar that is spent on those media tactics are reaching the ideal target audience. And so Silvercrest, every media recommendation that the system makes either for the franchisee or for the franchise brand is based on the data. And so by having subscriptions and partnerships with data partners, by working with the brand to pull in first-party data 
to create lookalike models to find the right individuals, I still think those can be very effective tactics. But here's the linchpin. In order for a franchise or brand marketing team or a franchisee to see the effectiveness of that tactic, it must be trackable. And so when we look at the pandemic, and there's a lot of memes out there, and, and I get a chuckle at them, but they say the greatest comeback of all time during the pandemic was the QR code. In fact, the QR code has come back so strong that a company spent $7 million on a Super Bowl ad, and all they showed was a bouncing QR code. And so being able to track, to put together unique human readable URLs on a direct mail piece, to have a unique QR code on a direct mail piece. And then lastly, use a call alias number. And so when you can start tracking those those type of metrics and micro conversions, you can see that if you're deploying a, a digital and direct mail campaign in unison, they do have a, a very lasting impact. And then if we wanted to get into the discussion about ad recall, ad recall is about 6x on a direct mail piece than it is on uh, a digital advertising piece. And so the way I kind of position it with, with our clients is you have to look at the big picture. And, and really a lot of that's driven by data and then media consumption. So if we're in a trade area where there's not a ton of direct mail media consumption, or at least what we see as, as something that's been acted on, we're not going to allow that brand to do it. A perfect example of that would be when we worked with Johnny Rockets. Johnny Rockets has locations, they have freestanding locations, they have locations in casinos, they have locations in theme parks. We weren't going to give the franchisees the option to send a postcard if they own a location in a casino or theme park. It just wouldn't be an effective tactic. No one's going to take their postcard and say, oh, let's go to the casino. So a more appropriate tactic would be to, to target their mobile devices of the individuals who are frequently frequenting the theme park or the, the casino. So they're still, they're still very relevant. And I think when you combine it in any omni-channel approach, and measure the microconversions along the way, you can see that you can have a, a very effective impact with those tactics still. It's amazing how sometimes it's the little things that make big differences. As you're talking, I'm thinking and being reminded for some reason of a conversation that I had with Steve Jackson, the CEO of Hungry Howie's. And Steve was the very last conversation that I had pre-COVID, before the shutdown, and I invited him back one year later, almost to the day, for a look back at how much has your life changed, right? And the one little thing he told me that made the biggest marketing difference in his entire life was a tiny little thing that he took out of COVID. And it was as simple as putting a sticker on a pizza box. He said, mm -hmm. I'd never put a sticker on a box to close the box with a sticker. And he can't believe how many customers came his way with accolades and thank yous of that when they got the pizza delivered now with that sticker on it, they knew that box was closed at the store and it was never opened again until it hit their front door. The things that as little as that, that boosted his business to a place that he couldn't believe what a difference a little round piece of paper with his logo on it and a sticky back made. And sometimes it's things like that. I think oh, I call those carrier pigeons. They're out of the ordinary. They're not things that you would have thought of or even given thought to, but that's part of your marketing too, isn't it? I mean, that, that builds trust. It absolutely does. 100%. I mean, and Hungry Howie's, I mean, they're, they're legends with legendary with what, how they use their pizza boxes to market their system, whether it be Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Or there's just so many different things they've done, whether it's something charitable. That goes a long way with this 
establishing trust with your consumers. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty of franchising. And it, it has been to our detriment at times, especially in, in a government relations environment. But you know, the consistency that comes with being a consumer of a franchise and those expectations, there is a relationship that's being built with that brand. And it may not be something that gets put up on Yelp or on all these review platforms. And because those typically are driven by either fanatics or people who have unfortunately had not such a great experience. But the middle of the road individuals do have a trust factor established with that brand. And, and sometimes it often goes unrecognized until you do the smallest of small things like ensure food safety during a pandemic. Totally agreed. Greg, we're at the place where it's time for me to ask you before I ask you to share contact info, if there's anything I haven't asked today that you wished I might have. You know, Stan, this has been a wonderful time. I feel like I've said it all. There's nothing that I feel like I didn't cover. It's been such an honor to spend time with you. And as I said at the beginning of the, of the discussion, the amount of individuals that I've met along the way and, and during my time at IFA, I'm, I'm thankful to be able to call you a friend. And, and you were always so kind to me along the ways and, and getting to know you and spend time with you and develop that relationship means a lot to me. And so I am sincerely grateful for being able to, to be a part of your podcast today. Well, I thank you for the kind words. I thank you, too, for letting me know that you made it here before you even got to Jack Monson, who I would have thought the other way around. My buddy Jack is the consummate podcaster in the areas of marketing. So sorry, Jack, for scooping you here. But Greg, I really appreciate you being here today. I hope Jack takes that in the same spirit I delivered it. And what about some contact info so that people can find you again and talk more about getting to know you in Silvercrest? Yeah, absolutely. And just one comment on Jack. Jack, I, I don't need the consigliere knocking down my door, but I, I, I do owe him uh, a, an opportunity and we'll certainly get to that. But two, two top podcasts and franchising, you guys are top-notch individuals. But thank you everyone for your time and for those who dropped in and have listened to this point. If you'd like to have a discussion with me, I'd welcome a call at any time and I can give you my email at gcook at sca-mail.com. That's gcook at sca-mail. And you can reach me at 818-475-762. That's 818-475-7621. Stan, thank you so much. What a great opportunity. I really enjoyed having you here. The time kind of just flew by, Greg. So thanks for the visit and thanks for sharing so, so much with the audience here today on Franchise Today. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap for today. Next week, we'll be joined by Angela Healy, our rising star of franchising for the month of May a true visionary in the world of leadership in real estate, investment, real estate management, business development, and technology. And she'll be here next week to tell us all about it. Angela Healy, next week on Franchise Today. Until then, I'm Stan Friedman wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising. And Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes.